wake up. Well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. If I get drunk, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who gets drunk next to you. And if I heave yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who's heavering to you. But I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more to be the man who walked a thousand miles and fall down at your door. Welcome to episode 72 of Val F. Bay Stuttgart Americana, American based English language Val F. Bay Stuttgart fan podcast where user unofficial, uninformed, and usually unprepared. I hope that everybody who's listening to this likes the proclaimers because during every interlude, because of the wager we lost with the not easy being green guys, we have to play their hit from 1988 every transition. So, Matt, I don't know if you're a big fan of Scottish rock bands, but if you are, this is the episode for you. Love Scottish rock bands and particularly love their proclaimers. So I think listening to that might be the most delightful part of listening to this show. (laughs) In so many different ways. My name is Travis. I'm your host. You can reach me on Twitter at Hasselfish. You can reach us on Twitter at Val Bay Americana. We even have a website. It's ValBeeStuttgartAmericana.com. It's all the rage for... We are fancy. It's just everywhere. Uh, this is going to be a rough episode, Matt. We Stuttgart played bad. The weather in Stuttgart was bad. The weather here is bad. There was a bad banner in the homestands. The sake that I got for good luck was bad. Uh, my interview this week with the Crystal Palace guys was bad. Tyler's birthday, no doubt, was bad because Stuart lost on his birthday. And I thought to myself, who better to join me to talk about bad? Well, than yourself. I mean, I know bad. Uh, I've been following the club for a long time. So <laughs> I feel like I'm uh, well-versed in it. I'm also a Detroit Tigers fan, which is kind of the epitome of bad. So, yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Bye. Part one, Matt, you know, I'm going to start off with some shout outs. But first off, every transition, we're going to have a little Proclaimers trivia. Did you know that the Proclaimers are twins? I did not. Did you, uh, do you know many twins in your life or uh, previous, uh, you know, goings about? I haven't had uh, much interactions with twins in my life. No, I haven't. In my high school, only 120 people graduate from our high school. Very small school. Not as small as yours, but we had seven sets of twins. That's incredible. It does make you wonder about the water in that town. But that's <laughs> just the first set of trivia for uh, for us. Let's get some shout outs. Nip Spiel winner for the OFC was Doug. Won his seventh time. So Doug has got a four-point lead over Steven. Congratulations, Doug, yet again. You know what? Doug's also in charge of the sports for our OFC. So I'm sure there's no scandal brewing. Well done, Doug, but also makes you wonder. I'm not saying there's impropriety, but you know. It looks, well, he's only in third place in fantasy Bundesliga. Jens is in first place, his sixth uh, week title. Extended his overall lead. Village Footy, though, is in second. Uh, If you can, give those guys a listen. They do a great job covering some fantasy football, and they're doing really well in our league. Uh, everybody lost our Twitter score prediction because everybody was super optimistic. So, ha suckers, no shout outs. To Shame you. on us. <laughs> hey, our Twitter tweets, we are almost at a magic number of 1893, which I was going to celebrate, but then I realized all that means is we just can't shut up. <laughs> well, it would be kind of cool to have a custom 1893 graphic uh, for that of, Martin panics listening and wants to rip something up real quick. That'd be kind of neat, but yeah, it just shows that we're loudmouths who <laughs> like to talk smack. And yeah. speaking of loud, I looked it up because of today's match. I was like, I wonder if there's a live stream option for our platform. And congratulations to everybody who listens to this on Anchor, which is our platform. They do not have a live stream, so you are not going to be subject to our stream of consciousness thoughts. You are all safe and you're welcome. <laughs> all right, Matt, before we move on, any shout outs you'd like to throw out there? 
Uh, I want to shout out to um, whoever gave Bruno a raincoat today and a ball cap because I feel like that was a smart move and that we probably would have seen Reno out there in his standard issue uh, dad pajamas, which would not have ended well in all that rain and snow. And plus, Reno, uh, like Bruno, has got the kind of balding spot going in. Uh, when there's a little bit of dampness, that makes that look just a little bit stringier and not as good. So, hat, yeah, hats on to Bruno. Well done. Rain is truth when it comes to thinning hair, Travis. <laughs> All right, moving on to part two. All right, Matt, we're going to talk about the match. But before we do, did you know that the Proclaimers were the number three ranked song in the United States in 1993? Uh, 500 Miles, that song. That is the song, right. I can believe that. It's a fantastic song. It was 1989 was when it was big. It was uh, written and produced in 1988, but it was big in the UK, Australia, somehow Canada, and skipped us entirely until uh, 1993. Very cool that it made it over to our shores. What is your favorite number, by the way? Uh, I'm going to go with 16. Uh, my favorite hockey player growing up was Vladimir Konstantinov, who wore 16, and so... I wanted to be just like Vlad and more 16 all growing up. Mine is 12 because when I played youth soccer, they gave the uniforms were based on size. So one was a small and 12, 13, 14 were all XL, double XL. And I was a rather portly child. So <laughs> it was, it was kind of nice for the entire city to know who the big kids were. So I was number 12. Always stuck with me there. It's just one more way for kids to pick on each other, which doesn't feel like we need to generate more of those. Well, at least in this case, it was the adults. So it all worked out yeah. pretty well. Oh, boy. All right. Let's get into picking on each other. So we are hosting Bremen after today's results. This is kind of wild. It is a 39 to 39 split. So these two clubs are 100% even Steven when it comes to playing each other. We drew match day two back in the fall. Two to two. We lost today, zero to two. Uh, we lost the wager with the not easy being green guys. We were both optimistic going into this, and everybody that we talked to was optimistic going into this. And had we earned a result today, there was a chance for us to leapfrog all the way up to 14th above of Hoffenheim. Did you change in your optimism at all as we inched closer to match day? I didn't, and I'm I'm really surprised to see that we're we're dead even with Verder. I feel like they've been a bit of a yo-yo club and I've spent more time down in the second division than we have. Maybe that's just uh, recency bias on my part, but um, I kind of, Verder's just coming back into the league. I kind of expect them to fizzle out a little bit at some point and come back to earth. And they showed no sign of doing that today. I was optimistic because a lot of their matches against clubs like ours are super close. 2-1, 1-0. So the scores never get too bonkers. We were playing at home. We played really well at home. I figured we'd play really defensive. I was waiting for the Bruno bounce to take place. And unfortunately, as we'll get into later, we may have already seen it take place with two draws. So I was really optimistic. Everybody around us was optimistic. But then I thought, okay, we put a poll on Twitter about what should be our good luck drink going into the match. Should it be Riesling, which is a German wine? Should it be Saki in honor of the three guys from Japan who started? Or should it be Lake Erie water? And while Lake Erie Water lost, it did get 18% of the vote. <laughs> so. You know, Lake Erie Water might have caused you to rush to the bathroom a lot during this game, which having watched the game might not have been a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Watching the game, who do you think the OFC voted for man of the match, by the way? I think if people were being serious, uh, they vote for Haraguchi. If we get a snark vote, um, almost anyone else on the roster. <laughs> It was three votes for no one, one vote for our good friend Fritzel, who has a fantastic photo with Bruno facing the curve, poor guy. Uh, but you're right, Haraguchi won the player of the game from our OFC, which I think says a lot about not the OFC, but where the state of the club is. So let's let's talk about the state of the club. But the thing I want to jump into first is the home crowd. All right, the place was sold out, but for the first time in a long time when the match ended, and the boys faced the curve, they didn't see the flags waving. They didn't see the crowd jumping up and down in support. I saw 
the supporters throwing the L sign, like uh, I assume is loser. I saw some other finger signs. Um, I heard a lot of whistles. This is something you and I feared after Bruno got hired. Or that's probably not fair. After they let Sven go, the support that we've seen the crowd have to last for years would be would be gone. I think we saw the first the first sign of that after this match. Yeah, and it was it was interesting. I got to um, be on on the Discord today for the first time in quite a while, and so kind of got a feel for uh, how that group of the fan base is holding up. And um, it's kind of a, a universal feeling that people uh, think this may have been the first match where the players started to show like they didn't believe, and that was not something we ever saw under Reno. Um, and I pointed it out, and as soon as I hit enter on my, my keyboard it was like oh that might be a little harsh and immediately got a couple yup oh wow so um i i felt like watching this game the guys didn't seem fully engaged for the full 90 especially in the last quarter of the match a couple guys anton in particular uh maverpanos seemed to be trying a little bit too hard and just wanted to take over the whole game on their own which not great from those two guys. Um, and then some of the guys just seemed demoralized, which we hadn't seen at all under Ernest Marazzo. Yeah, I, I don't think that the guys don't try. And I don't think they don't believe. But I do think there's a sense of what you said where there's a sense of maybe the belief is the right way to put it, where we've had this happen to us so many times that we just we know no matter what we do, the ball's not going to go in the net or there's going to be a mistake. I really feel like, and that's something I think we'll get into in the, the next part of this, this podcast is that there's actually more pressure on these guys with Bruno than there was with Pellegrino. And some people might say that's a good thing. I disagree. I think that's a bad thing. And I think we're seeing that pressure mount on these guys. And I agree with you, Dino, Anton, whoever it is, uh, Chris Furich today. It just looks like they believe they have to over Excel and they're the only guy that can do it. And so they're making mistakes and this club already makes mistakes, but now they're accentuated because we're playing so defensive. We, we don't have as many opportunities to score. So I, I'm really worried that the support that we've seen that I really thought rallied the guys at home, at least. And you saw it under Vimmer, say what you will about Vimmer. And we'll get into that because a lot of people are talking about Vimmer today in context to uh, Bruno. I'm really concerned that that is, gone and if that's gone boy yeah it it doesn't feel good right i i don't know we we're not in in the locker room we don't know what's going on behind the scenes but the body language today was not great what do you think all right let's jump, in, jump into the match talking about <laughs> not great uh usually we talk about the lineup so it, it looked like they did a four two three one today where ada and endo were in the middle and you had furich Correa and Haraguchi, the three in front of them, and then Jirasi was up front, um, kind of departing from the 4-3-3 a little bit. I mean, the first 10 minutes of this match, maybe the first 15 minutes, we had four distinct chances to get in front of this one, and it just, you know, it didn't happen. But they looked really strong, really great that first 10, 15 minutes. I don't know if it was a 4-2-3-1, if it was the new guys in there. What did you see that, that uh, period? I I saw a lot of really good play, and I think the the four two three one lends itself a little more to the personnel that we have than the four three three does. It lets us get um, Karazor, Endo, and Haraguchi all on the field together without putting any of them into positions where they're kind of uncertain and unsure. Girasi up front is great. We love Girasi. Uh, loved maybe. Um, <laughs> Fast times. Nardi as a left back is, eh, you know, I'd much rather see Borna Sosa over there, but uh, he's been holding his own by and large. Uh, so the lineup didn't really concern me. And the, the way the guys came out and played, uh, it, was, it looked great. And I was feeling really optimistic. Um, and then we got punched in the mouth and everything went to hell. Yeah. So let's talk about that punch in the mouth. So there's a lot of different things we could talk about. So Let's just hit the big one right now. The injury to Seiru was around the 25th minute. It looked like a groin injury. Later on, it, they talked about how it could be a thigh and a groin injury. Uh, Bruno said it didn't look good. The reports are as we record this. So we are recording this the day of the match to give you real-time emotion and news, which means we have no news, but we do have emotion. <laughs> he looks to be out a few weeks. 
that is so Ahamada is gone, who was responsible in some form or fashion for about 40% of our goals. Girasi is gone, who is responsible for over 40% of our goals. I mean, yeah. a lot of people commented that once he was out of that match, we were even more toothless than usual on offense. I don't disagree with that. What are your thoughts? We kind of had this joke on our Slack chat for a little while, a year or two ago, and it, it's like you get into the final third and the controller disconnected thing pops up at the bottom of the screen mm-hmm. and nobody seems to know what to do. <clears throat> and Furich, to his credit today, seemed to be trying to make things happen in the box, but it feels like he gets a really good idea to for about two-thirds of what he's going to do, and then he's like, I'll wing it at the end. And by the time he gets to the end of that two-thirds, his brain goes, nope. And he just like shuts down. Haraguchi was playing back a little bit, I felt. So he wasn't really a huge threat, um, probably by design. Perea was, I don't know, in and out. I I don't know where our goals come from with uh, Jirasi out. Once Sosa came in in the second half, um, the crosses in were creating some danger. I'm not a big believer in cross ball. If you don't have a Sosa and a Sasa, um, you need a target. Otherwise you're just kind of creatively and interesting playing the ball into the box and somebody has got to be in the box and time and time again, a ball was played into the box and nobody was there. And this has been a theme with this team of guys waiting for somebody else to be the dude to make the thing happen. And we just, we don't have that guy with the killer instinct to go and stab someone. Well, let's talk about some of the guys that got into the match. So Luca comes in around the 25th minute to sub in for Jurassic. You had Gildias come in at halftime for Perea. Sosa came in for Nardi around the 70th minute. Here's one of my favorites. And this is why I love Google Translate. Chestnut Macaw came in in the 70th minute. Love Chestnut Macaws. If you're not sure who I'm talking about, Chestnut Macaw is how you translate Castaneris from German <laughs> to English. So it what? sounds like an 1890s baseball player name. It's so- <laughs> I was just going to say, didn't he pitch for the Atlanta Braves? <laughs> so Chestnut Macaw comes in in the 90, 70th minute for uh, Furich. Uh, any of those guys stand out to you in a positive or a negative way? Sosa was a positive Um positive addition to the team started making a little noise causing a little bit of trouble uh chestnut macaws didn't really do much he's i i want castanaris to be amazing and he's just not yeah he's or at least he wasn't today yeah the thing with like jurassic being out somebody's gonna have an opportunity to do that i mean lucas viper's game just destroyed uh, he was ranked you know one of the lowest players out there i don't think it's funny because his passing his holdup play is okay. And his touch passing, I find very intriguing. Like he does a lot of those passes where he just kind of flicks it forward. Where if like somebody like a Tiago Tomash or somebody like that was, was anticipating that it's really going to catch the defense off guard. And I think he does that really well. And I don't know if it's a fact of communication that these guys haven't been together. He hasn't been on the pitch very much or what the case may be. But when it comes to anything in the box, I'm incredibly disappointed. He had that opportunity for to put a header in. Even Bruno mentions like he he's got to put that in. Volgamut today mentioned they've got to do whatever they can to get uh, Luca right because he's the guy behind Jurassic. And I don't see it. It's it's been a rough go for him. He had a couple goals in the Pokal a while ago, but it's outside of that. Somebody joked earlier that we should just put in. Uh, there's a player down in the second division. Put him in right now. He's six yeah. three. He's got eight goals in 17 matches on there. Why not? My big concern with Luca is like that, that header was a a good kind of case study for his game. So nice cross comes in, he gets up, he times his jump. Well, the ball hits his shoulder and then he swings his head at it. And that's like, it'd be one thing if his contact wasn't quite clean or if he didn't direct it quite in the right direction, you know, those things will happen off and on, but dude just totally whiffed on a really good opportunity. And you don't get really good opportunities like that, that often. And then your comment on his touch passing. Yeah, I can see that. And that works if he's got attacking midfielders behind him, making aggressive runs. We don't have that. And the lineups we're putting out, um, doesn't look like we're going to have that. 
Furich plays too far to the wings. I'm not sure what Perea is doing. Haraguchi doesn't seem like a box crasher kind of guy. Um, so if Luca's up there laying off beautiful passes just behind him, the center backs are going to have a field day with him. Center backs didn't really do that great today either. So the big one was Dino. Dino's had a couple rough matches in a row. He had that very famous, I believe it was the longest own goal in recent history. I got to go back and find out because if it's in history, we definitely have to celebrate that <laughs> next pod. But he had totally. the own goal he had. He was in the area of play for the two goals that were scored today. I know definitely one of them, he didn't clear the ball and it helped lead to it. Let's talk about, I was initially going to be upset at the referee for not calling the foul on Fulkrug that Dino didn't clear that led to the first goal. But then they had a long ball in the 77th minute that Dino didn't clear and they had a fantastic goal. I mean, it's a two zero match. So what are you going to do at that point? I'm not, so I'm not going to waste time complaining about the referee, but I, Dino's had a rough go, man. Yeah. He's, I, I don't know if he's just trying to do too much, if he's been given extra responsibilities or hold, told that he's the guy and he's got to make things happen. Um, but Dino and Anton both today were making a lot of runs into the attacking end. We're getting into the box. Anton spent the entire last like 15 minutes of the game in the attacking third, which is that's terrible. Like he's not an attacking player. He doesn't have good instincts for goal. And <clears throat> then we're leaving ourselves vulnerable at the back, at the back. So I don't know if this is like a, a Bruno thing and maybe he's pushing these guys to do stuff or I, I have no idea what's going on, but Dino looks like he's trying to carry the world on his back, which will crush him. And Anton looks like he's not sure what position he's playing or what sport at some points. <laughs> The funny thing is, is that the stats, if I'm Bruno and I'm going to the press, I'm saying, listen, statistically, we look good. Our XG was 1.4 to their 0.5. Uh, they dominated all the offensive stats, 17 shots to nine, five on target to three, 60% possession to 40, eight corners to their four. But the funny thing is, is that every defensive statistic, Bremen beat us. And I was really shocked at that because I was sold on this bill of goods that Bruno was going to stabilize the defense and that he was a firefighter, even though he wouldn't like to be called that. And the one thing he's going to do, and I'll repeat myself, is stabilize the defense. We lost every defensive statistic, tackling, interceptions, blocks, clearances, saves, duels, everything. If we're going to lose all that stuff, what are we doing? What is Bruno ball at that point? This not only does this team look not stabilized, but they look like they're kind of in chaos and things have clearly been disrupted. He's shaking stuff up and the players aren't sure how to respond to it. And the one thing you want from a, a new manager coming and making changes is to have them do it in a way that makes sense to the players. So it doesn't create more chaos and more negative things than it does positive things. And there's always going to be some growing pains. But this doesn't look or feel like growing pains. This looks like people being confused and not, not knowing what's going on, which the whole thing that we were told about Bruno is he's going to simplify. It's back to basics. And if we're going back to basics, maybe we got a bunch of guys who don't know the basics. Um, <laughs> but I don't want to believe that of players who play in the Bundesliga, right? I, I, I know. it's It was a rough match and it's funny because and we're going to get into this in our next segment but this is the most negative and i do believe one of the darkest periods of being a, a valfe fan in some time and i know you and i are relatively recent to the valfe experience but it's it's getting bad and it's really hard for us to maintain our somewhat famous somewhat unrealistic optimism because i'm not sure what i'm i mean we'll get into some positivity that's what we do here and we'll definitely get into some but we're looking and we're researching it we're we're digging for whatever we can find at this point yeah and i like listening to the broadcast today at, at the beginning um in which we were fortunate enough to have the uh 
incredible Derek Ray calling the game for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but his partner in crime was saying that he keeps looking at the Stuttgart roster and he sees players who he knows are talented players. And he sees a team on paper that should be a mid table club pushing to be a little bit better. And he's not sure why when he sees them on the field, that doesn't line up. And I'm just sitting here going, yeah, yeah, me too. Cause I keep looking at these guys thinking these aren't bad players we've got these these are guys who have done it at different levels so guys who have done it for stretches at Stuttgart we just can't get everybody moving in the same direction at the same time yeah I wouldn't be so upset if I was one of the few who was a typhoon cork I was like listen I understand his style a lot of people don't like it but I get it. You're going to play super defensive bunker ball. And that's what it is. And he had success one year with it. He didn't have success the next year with it. I mentioned over and over again. I just, he had a system, he had a style and that's, that's what it was. I think what we're seeing is a lot of people are going to listen. I wasn't a big fan of Pellegrino or especially Vimmer, which is, it's interesting now as time has gone, how people are kind of like, yeah, I never liked that guy or any of that stuff. I'm like, well, that's, I don't remember you saying that a while ago. Uh, but I knew what they were trying to do. I knew what the system was and, and maybe it was telegraphed a little bit, but at some point I think professional sports, all plays are telegraphed. It's, you know, how do you execute it? I don't yeah. know what the, the telegraph, the communication, the smoke signal, I don't know what's going on when, when they're on the pitch here right now. And it's just super disappointing. It's super confusing. I don't know. I just don't know. It's, it's a frustrating time. It's, it, it stinks to have gone from a, a coach in Matarazzo that we, we all believed in and <clears throat> admittedly now with a little bit of distance from him, thinking about how the team was playing and seeing them play a little bit differently draws out some of the flaws maybe in what he was trying to do uh, for me, but that doesn't change the fact that I thought he was the right guy at the right time. And we had that and we had Sven and then Verla comes in and tears it all down and says, now this, this is the way. And the new way is worse than the old way. And I think that's really why this really hurts because we, we had that change from a thing we knew and liked, even if it wasn't great all the time, um, we saw a vision, we saw a direction. And now I, like you said, what, what is this thing? I don't know. Yeah. You mentioned a lot of things, Pellegrino, the way, all great segues into our part three headlines and news, news and headlines. Matt, are you ready to dig into the big news of the day? Oh, me sure. neither. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Matt, I'm really starting to like this Proclaimer song that we keep listening to over and over and over again. Are you ready for some more trivia? Can't wait. Do you know that it was written while traveling to a Hiberian match in the Scottish League that is in Aberdeen? Do you have a favorite Scottish League team? And if not, which one is it? I don't. And I, aside from Aberdeen, I'm not sure I could name one right now. And I'm a little embarrassed because I listened to an interview with Derek Ray where he talked about coming up and the club that he was calling games for. And I feel like I should be able to pull that. I can't right now. Uh, Aberdeen is in seventh place right now in the 12 team league. That is the uh, Scottish Premier League or professional league or premiership is what it's called. All right. Premiership there. Is, is seventh place our first place, though? <laughs> From it's what all I about context. I think Aberdeen is supposed to be pretty good. I think they've fallen on some hard times. Um, Aberdeen, of the teams that I would support, was going to be it. When I traced my genealogy back on my mother's side, it came near the Aberdeen side. So I figured, all right. But I could never get into it. They weren't on TV, all that stuff. Uh, Celtic won the league all the time. And who wants to be a supporter of a team and a league where there's only one team that wins all the time, Matt. Am I right? Ah, uh, that sounds like hell. <laughs> yeah. What up, Nagelsman? How are things going over there? <laughs> right there. And jerk. Yeah. Well, all right. So let's get into news and headlines. Amada played today for Crystal Palace. So our old friend Amada 
I uh, got about 10, 15 minutes for them. So congratulations, John. Good for him. Yeah. They lost, unfortunately, but still, congrats. Um, He's used the, to that. Yeah. The, the big thing that happened, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, we were asked to address it by some of the OFC folks. Uh, we are lucky enough to have a member of our OFC who used to live in the States, but is currently working in Stuttgart and went to the match today. He gave us some insight into what was going on in terms of the fan reaction to some stuff. Um, anyway, there was a banner that was held in the support, one of the supporter sections that was quite crass, quite uh, inappropriate, uh, referring to Freiburg and Bremen supporters in a very negative way. I, I mean, I don't have many thoughts on this. We try not to get too controversial on the, on this, but I mean, it was just, it was something you wouldn't want your kids to see. It was something that you, you kind of wonder, oh, what was the whole point of this? Um, I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's like racism in football. I not that I sound like a moron. Like that's a political statement, you know, pro or con. No, this is stupid. So I don't know if you saw the banner. I don't know if you have any thoughts or comments on it. Uh, it was embarrassing. I saw the banner. Um, it was terrible. It's super embarrassing. Um, I'm not pleased that those statements are going to be associated with our club because that's like people who don't know are going to see that and be like, Oh, Stuttgart supports this nonsense. And that's terrible. The one thing that I do feel better about is the pretty broad admonition I've seen about it on Twitter. Um, Some people in the 50 plus donor chat uh, were asking questions about it. And their big thing was, I didn't know that Stuttgart were big rivals of Freiburg and Bremen. Like, is why are these guys upset about this? And I don't have an answer to that. I would really just uh, encourage the people who did that to find a better use of their time. Yeah, it's uh, it was embarrassing. Like you said, it's uh, perfectly, you just don't want to be associated with that. So yeah, we saw it. Um, hopefully the people in place do the right thing and the people that did it, you know, realize that wasn't the right thing. Um, yeah. Moving on to lighter news, we're going to get into a debate. This is awesome. So I figured out how to use the translate tool for one of the podcasts that come out of Stuttgart. So SV- I disagree. <laughs> is this what we're debating? <laughs> Whether I, I figure out how to push a button. How to complete- <laughs> I'm sorry, I got excited. <laughs> Probably. So Simeon Kramer and Danny Gom are two reporters for SVW, a TV station in Stuttgart that covers sports and covers Stuttgart, about uh, Stuttgart in particular. And they do a podcast every week. And I finally figured out how to, tr- to get the, the translate to work so I could actually get some of uh, the, uh, the words on the screen and understand exactly what was going on with that. And they had some really interesting comments I thought we could kind of pick through. And so this is why this debate is completely unfair. We're going to pick and choose things that were translated via the captions that may or may not be 100% accurate via context. We're not going to allow them to respond and we're just gonna give our opinions. So this sounds completely American to me, so I love it. This is incredibly, not only American, but very on brand for <laughs> us as a, as a group and our podcast. And I'm so excited for this. All right, so the idea that they presented is that the team doesn't have quality players. The roster lacks quality. And that's basically the thesis that they have, that the reason why the club is where it is is because the players just aren't simply good enough. So I really want to get into this, that the idea that the squad is bad and doesn't have the quality to be a Bundesliga squad. Uh, So here's the main points that I got. So let's hit through some of these. I think some of our listeners might be interested to get some idea on what they're seeing there versus what we're seeing 3,000 miles away. So what they both agreed is that the players play with heart and fire and try hard, both under Pellegrino and under Bruno. I think that's something you and I have said is that these guys don't give up. These guys fight. So I think that's a common theme. And that's probably the only thing we can really hold our, our heads on as the season. Yeah. Goes. yeah I have no, no bone to pick with that until like the final 10 minutes today. <laughs> what they say is the difference is Bruno is willing to call out the players and thus hold them accountable and makes it clear to the players and the fans that they made mistakes. Here's what you got to fix and let's move on. Uh, Enzo Malo may be an example of this. He was recently called out 
in the media as to what he wasn't doing right. Bruno had to sit down with him for an hour to go over some stuff, and he wasn't even on the bench today. So I kind of like this thought because I don't know how much we're going to agree with this. I'll let you start. Um, is this a big difference, and is it a positive difference? I don't think we – I don't recall a time when Matarazzo called a player out in the media. Um, and we've seen – Bruno do it. So yeah, there's, this is definitely a difference. I don't know if it's a positive difference or not. It depends. I I feel like some guys respond well to that and some guys do not. So you've got to know your players. Um, I question a little bit if uh, Bruno knows these guys that well yet, but um, you know, this is his, his profession. So hopefully he does. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about the holding players accountable. I feel like Matarazzo did it and just did it differently. The big, the big thing that's frustrating is, okay, let's say, let's give another premise and say Bruno does hold the players accountable and Matarazzo doesn't. What has that changed? Right. We've, we've seen the end. We still got the same cookies. I think it's well done. Yeah, bring up a reference to last <laughs> big, big time callback. <laughs> I, I think it's bogus. I, I think Pellegrino, I think, held the players accountable. Hello, Alexis Tibbity. He got shipped off to Austria because he had apparently d- discipline issues. Um, Pascal Stenzel had one of the greatest camps, apparently, of all time, and he can't get on the pitch, right? Uh, Enzo Malo, okay, maybe he's not working hard. I think it's interesting that the two guys that are getting ripped on publicly are Enzo Malo and Lillian Egeloff. And the two things that those guys, or the one thing those two guys have in common is what? They're super young. They're youth players. I don't see him ripping on Dino, and I love Dino, okay? But Dino's had a, a couple rough matches in a row. Um, Luca Pfeiffer's not put the world on fire here. Chris Furich runs with his head down. He doesn't seem to look up to pass anybody. I think it's really interesting that the two guys he's decided to not go after, but at least publicly criticize are young guys who don't have much of a a track record, I guess. I don't see how this is, is helping. I don't see, I know there are two different theories on this calling players out, you know, may motivate them, put a fire under them, but it's also dangerous. I think this is dangerous. I, I don't agree with this. It feels a little bit like like punching down, right? If you're going after the youngest, most realistically, the most vulnerable players, because these guys are unestablished in their careers. I don't, it, as you're talking about this, the only thing I can think of is, is it sounds a little bit like bullying and I'm not on board with that. If he was calling out, uh, Endo and saying, I need more from my captain. I need him to do more to direct the players to carry the, the message to whatever. Yeah. Okay. I, I might not agree with it, but I don't think I would come down too hard on it. But yeah, the fact I hadn't realized really that he was only coming after the, the children on the team <laughs> and that doesn't feel good. And I, I get it though. It, it does put a fire into these guys and this is a difficult time and maybe that's, that's what they need. But I, I refuse to believe that Pellegrino didn't pull these guys aside without the cameras on and say, listen, you have to do X, Y, Z type of thing. So I, I think it's a weird argument. The next argument is this, is that talking about coaches, uh, one of the things they claim is Bruno is the right coach because he addresses the problems, sees the weaknesses, and tries to tackle them. The question is, though, will he be able to fix these? Here's my answer. No, <laughs> the problems under Pellegrino and the problems under Bruno are the problems of the squad. And so I, I do believe the squad is Bundesliga equality, but we've seen a lot of the same things. Like you mentioned the four games of Bruno's coach that we saw. I want to go back to something we said a little bit earlier, because you just brought it up again about the players being Bundesliga quality. Sure. If we have all of our guys who have been out injured back. Yeah. We've got a Bundesliga quality roster. But we don't have, we haven't had Sosa at left back. We haven't had Bogdan at right back. So there's a huge core of our issue right now. Our defense is a mess because our two wing backs are on the shelf. Um, we're missing guys in the attack. We're missing guys in the mid. Like we, 
we're zip tied and duct taped together, <laughs> which sucks. I don't think you can say that Bruno addresses the problems, sees the weaknesses and tries to tackle them. Like what evidence do we have of that? He might see the problems. So do we, <laughs> to my vantage point, he's doing about as much to fix this team right now as I am. Cause we've seen no, like a little bit of the change in the formation. Okay. But that hasn't resulted in drastically different play. We haven't seen an uptick in offensive chances. In fact, I think we're down on offensive chances. We haven't seen an increase in run rate from the team, which is something we did knock Matarazzo for. And Labadia was supposed to be the fitness guy and everybody's going to go out and work really hard. Like where is, where's the evidence of these things happening? Yeah. And that's going to get to my last point. So one of the things they say is, that Simeon and Danny say is that we have to accept the squad doesn't have enough quality and we'll always make a mistake. So they must work harder to over, overcome those inevitable mistakes, which I, I do. I get that. And this is a, an example of why you bring in Genki Haraguchi. We had to deviate from the, quote unquote way because we're in a relegation fight the team has no leaders no loudspeakers no experience you know hence again why you bring in somebody like Genki Haraguchi who's been through it all we need players to know the up and down of the Bundesliga that know you're not going to win every match so it's a question of the quote-unquote way that everybody kind of associated with Sven versus reality and the reality is we're in a relegation fight we need experienced players to go to fight this are what are your thoughts on on that I know I throw threw a lot at you there, but it's the way versus reality. We're in 16th place. What do you, what do you think about that? I, I think we do have to deviate from the way. And I thought that was the point of bringing Labadia in, in the first place. And I've, we've seen what looks to me to be some superficial deviations, uh, some things that looked like they maybe had promise, but they don't seem to have teeth. Um, I would almost rather see drastic changes with, more drastic negative results than half-hearted changes with the same result. Cause then at least we can point to it and say, look, we're shifting an entire you know, way of playing and doing whatever a whole mentality switch. I don't, I don't feel like we've got that and we've, we're getting the same results we had before. So what's the point of any of it? I think that's, yeah, that's a key thing is that, and I saw a lot of that today on various social media aspects that, you know, why do we even get rid of Vimmer then? It, it, at least Vimmer was yeah. able to get results at home against clubs that we were supposed to get results from. The guys were fighting just like they are now, so there's no real difference there. But it seemed like there was more of a direct approach. There was, and by direct approach, I mean there was much more of a concerted effort. It just seemed like this defensive approach doesn't fit these guys. I'm going to agree with what you said. I'm going to say no. I mean, I apologize. We stink no matter what. <laughs> we're lousy no matter what. Here's what I think, and you see this in American sports all the time, especially in the NFL. So the NFL is based on the draft system and free agency, and which I'm sure is similar to a lot of different sports. But what you see with really bad teams, and I am a Cleveland Browns fan, unfortunately, and I've seen a lot of really bad football, is that you have a coach come in for two, three years. You draft players for his particular system for two, three years. You don't have the results, so you fire that coach, but the players are still there. So the players were built for a particular system, especially on defense. Say it's a, a three, four versus a four, three to get super, you know, mm -hmm. analytical about this or a run team versus a pass team, you know, offensive linemen who can run block versus pass block. And that is a different thing. And then all of a sudden those 50 guys that are on the roster don't fit into what the new coach's system is. I really think that these guys are built for some form of three five two three five one one three at the back two wing backs they're built to be a team for reno they're built to be a team for sven they're not built to be a team for bruno and this four three three four two three one maybe there's not enough time for bruno to implement his system which is totally fair maybe these guys are built more for a three five two which is totally fair for bruno I just got a bad feel for this because the tactics, the rotations, the results, I mean, you can't see this right now, but I'm wearing the kit from the relegation. <laughs> season, um, the most recent one, I'm in a really bad place right now. And I almost feel for Bruno because he's stuck, but I almost feel for us because we're stuck. I almost want to ask you is like, is this going to be a four coach season? Pellegrino, Vimmer, Bruno, and somebody else. 
But then I remember they gave Bruno a contract until, you know, 2073 and we have no money. So oh, don't, don't think that'll stop them. <laughs> Talk me off the ledge here, Matt. I just, I threw a ton of stuff at you. I, I had a little bit of a rant there. I'm going to refill my sake glass. I'm going to give you the floor for a minute. So I really hope that this is not a four coach season. I was not excited about Matarazzo being dismissed. I was not excited about the idea of Vimmer because then what was the point of getting rid of Matarazzo? So I'm kind of at a position here where I want Bruno to do his thing. I just, I don't feel like we know what that is yet. So Bruno definitely needs some time. And yeah, the players we have aren't maybe the players he wants, but he should be able to adjust to that. And that's one of the things that I find really frustrating with with American football coaches, both at the NFL and college level, is they come in and go, I'm going to do X. You go, great, but you don't have anybody who knows how to do that. Go, screw it. We're going to do it anyway. (laughs) That's that's not good for anybody. And the hardlining on that stuff I find really frustrating. So I'm really... The place where I'm drawing hope from is Labadia did say when he came in, it was going to take five to six weeks to get guys playing into his system. Okay. So a couple more weeks before we see in theory, a fully weaponized version of Bruno ball at Stuttgart. Part two is we should have some guys coming back from injury by then. And that should help because right now, this does not look like a Bundesliga quality roster. We get some injuries, replacements back in. Yeah, okay. But right now, the way the guys are performing, um, you're not going to stay in the Bundesliga long if you're relying on Luka, Luka Pfeiffer to put in all of your goals for you. That's, <laughs> it's just reality. So I'm hopeful that we see some more changes, that Haraguchi and uh, Jill Diaz settle in at the club and they can be relied on a little bit more, although I don't know how we can rely on Haraguchi anymore. Um, in fact, at this point, I'm all for signing the entire Japanese national team <laughs> uh, and rebranding as whatever they want it to be because our three best players on the pitch this day were inarguably Ito, Endo, and Haraguchi. Yeah, it's it's rough and it's been a, a tough go uh, for Valpe, you know, supporter for a while. It's just, we always had, kind of hope and we always had kind of everybody was was on the same same page and same path it just doesn't seem to be that way but let's end with some positives all right so let's go to some positive headlines here uh rick thomas told us that there is a player in the second team for us called noah ganas who has scored 17 i'm sorry eight goals and three assists in 17 games six foot three 22 years old so hey we got that going for us down there um the other thing I, I did like this. So Legro said at Gro Mook said, you know, we were in 17th place at this point last season. At this exact point, we were two points, you know, more, but we were still in 17th place. Minus 11 goal difference, which is about what we have now. I mean, if you look at it from that perspective, we were able to dig our way out of it last season, basically the same players. Hopefully, you know, do the same thing this season. Yeah, but we dug it out by a miracle goal at the last second of a game to keep us out of the playoffs. Like the likelihood of that happening again, I appreciate the parallel drawing. Um, I don't know if that held so much water for me right now. All right. Well, how about this? Schalke has only got 11 points. Hertha has got 14 points. They're in 18th and 17th. Bochum just leapfrogged us by getting a win. So they've got 19. We're stuck at 16. Uh, Hoppenheim has 19. They just, are rumored to fire their manager. Here's the funny thing. The big rumor is that our old friend Pellegrino might end up there. What are your quick thoughts on that? It'd be a good pickup for Hoffenheim. Yeah, he has um, his histories there. That's where he started. Yeah. So that, That'd be a smart move for them. Um, and I think would be our loss. That's our only saving grace right now is that there are four other teams in the league that have their heads shoved as far up their rear ends as we do. <laughs> and that's really like if Schalke, Herta, Bochum, and Hoffenheim were not having historically terrible seasons, we'd, we'd be on the bottom of the table. And that's like, that's realistic. 
Speaking of Schalke, so our February, here's some good news too. We've got Freiburg next weekend. We've got Cologne the weekend after that. We've got Schalke to wrap up February. So, I mean, I know Freiburg's having a great season, but they've come back a little bit. They just got blown out. We've got Cologne who seems they're having a great season, but they're only 20 some points. And then Schalke is a huge match. So we've got some matches coming up this month that, yo, might determine our season in a positive way. I could see, I could see us catching those guys off guard and punching somebody in the mouth uh, with an unexpected shot. Freiburg, one of the things I find interesting is they're the only team up where they're at with a zero goal differential. So they're winning games by slim margins. Mm-hmm. And that probably doesn't bode well for their long-term success at the top of the table. They seem to be vulnerable. Um, Cone minus two goal differential. So I feel like these are teams we should have an opportunity to sneak one or two by and then go full bunker ball and hang on for dear life. Speaking of sneaking one by, did you know that we extended our non-clean sheet home record to 30-plus games? I did, and I would talk about Muller and his performance today, but we don't have two more hours. <laughs> oh, you know what? That was a pretty dark you know, headline area where I kind of went off the rails a bit. Let's lighten things up by going to some – oh, boy, these questions are bad. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> How can it get any worse? And when I come home, I come home, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who comes back home with you. I'm gonna be the man who's coming home with you. Okay, well, you know what's making me feel better? That proclaimer song. You know what, Matt? <laughs> Did you know that it was big in the United States when it was in the movie Benny and June, a romantic comedy? What is your favorite? romantic comedy uh oh that's a good question um i'm gonna go with gross point blank because oh, it's a great movie un- right it's underrated uh it takes place here in southeast michigan where i live which is exciting uh, gross point is a suburban city of detroit um john cusack is at his absolute best as a uh, hitman who's like trying to connect with his old high school sweetheart it's adorable and it's violent, so I love it. <laughs> it's uh, Dan Aykroyd is in that movie. Joan uh-huh. Cusack is in that movie. That is it's, the soundtrack for that movie is amazing too. By the way, <clears throat> yes, that's awesome. I would probably go with you know Serendipity is a good one. Um, boy, you topped me there though. You know I don't know what else I could. Uh, go with there was that troll movie i watched from norway the other day <laughs> Maybe oh that. great movie <laughs> so romantic there you didn't think the trolls were going to get together and then at the end there they are those norwegians you just never know oh. what's gonna happen big softies oh we maybe we'll have to do a uh, watch along because a lot of people are doing that now <laughs> so, watch matt and travis watch trolls <laughs> Sounds like a terrible idea. (laughs) It does. All right. So our questions. The first one comes from not easy being green. How connected to the result was the injury to Girasi? He was causing us all kinds of trouble early on. David responded. Hopefully he's not out too long. We can't score goals with him or without him. So two questions here, Matt. How connected was lost to his removal? And who do you think replaces him? I think it was connected big time because Girasi was the only person troubling the um, Bremen defense. And once he was out, they could really kind of take the rest of the game easy. And that was not good for us. Um, We need him back uh, now. We have no other. It doesn't seem like we have any other options. Maybe Bruno's got something clever up his sleeve. But um, the next couple weeks could be pretty, pretty dark. Yeah, I think Luca is going to be the guy who's going to get the first opportunity to replace him. But at this point, Put Casanares up there, put Perea out there. I think Lugo should get a chance. He definitely should get a shot. And maybe if Borna's in there, we start to get crosses into the box, he'll really implement himself really well. But I think Jarosi being out of this match impacted it significantly. 
I, we were just on fire the first 10, 15 minutes. And yeah. Revan worked their way back into it. So I, I, the game kind of evened out a little bit. But it's crazy. I never – I texted Jeff on the side, who is uh, the Cologne supporter. I never thought I would ever say that I miss Seiru Jirasi based on what I saw when he first played for Cologne. But he was just on fire for us to the point where people were worried that will we be able to actually sign him after the season? Because he's on loan, remember. And he's playing yeah. well. He might be pricing himself out of uh, Stuttgart. So hopefully he gets back really soon. I think it's going to be Luca that's going to replace him uh, really quick. Midway Shueva asks, I remember saying that the outside defensive backs are always very fast players in Bruno's teams and how now we have Anton and Nardi there. They're nice players, but they're definitely not the fastest on the field, and I was clearly wrong about that. Yeah, shame on you, honest. Shame on you. Oh. How do you like the outside backs? Tyler adds on to this, says, how long until somebody tells Bruno that Anton isn't a right back? I'm going to start off with this one. This makes no sense to me. I, I said it last week. I, I need to buy a microphone for this podcast because I'm about to scream my head off. I don't understand <laughs> what is happening. I, I, I don't – I know we're injured. I get it, but there's – you said it last, Panka. I can't believe I'm calling for Pascal Stenzel to be in the match. And nothing against Stenzel. A nice guy. Decent player. You're not doing Valdi Anton any favors by putting him on the right. We have absolutely no offense on that side. And the guy is using all his Uzbeki strength and stamina to do everything he can. But it's not working. I don't get it. Uh, and Nardi on the other side is nice. He's, he's holding his own. But there's not a lot starting there either. And then when you have Endo and uh, Ada kind of in the middle as the guys, even when we put Borna in, who is he going to cross it to? There's nobody there. So politely, Bruno, I don't understand what's happening. Matt? Bruno, for the love of God, <laughs> do everyone a favor and never put Anton in at any position other than center back ever again he looks lost he looks confused he deserves better than this we deserve better than this just stop please i, I put something on twitter that i fully expect to line up next week to have dino in replacing ito so that anton can continue to play right back when dan axel comes back because bruno's in love with this move i just i don't i don't get it uh, he must be seeing something we're not. I don't get it either. I, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw Dino at striker next week. <laughs> I would actually be totally on board with that. I mean, at this point, why why not? All right, so we should be getting Borna Sosa back, though. And if we get Borna Sosa back, and we'll talk about this in our next uh, segment, I think that's kind of exciting to see how things are going to go. Uh, Sam said, well, going to be fun in uh, the second league next season. Matt, I want to ask you this. As of today... What are your thoughts on relegation? If I was going to pin you down right now, is this club going to be relegated, yes or no? 50-50. Ooh. I legitimately, like, we've got Bochum now three points clear of us. Hoffenheim's three points clear, looking to make a change. Um, I I think it's as likely that, that we stay right where we're at or even potentially slip a spot to Hertha and just go down automatically to gaining one or two spots and staying safe. I think the month of February is vital to this club. Freiburg, Cologne, Schalke. <laughs> Did you see who we have in March? <laughs> uh, no, do I even want to look? No, you don't. But I'll tell you because I don't like it. We've got <laughs> Iron. We've got Eintracht. We've got Wolfsburg. That's our March. Ouch. Yeah. So – if you were going to ask me today, right now, and this is why we don't record the day of a match, I think we're – I agree with Timothy. Your uh, Shumi fan said we're going – we may go down to the third division <laughs> the way things are going right now. <laughs> I just – I don't – here's the thing. I'm going to hold out hope that what you said is exactly right. Bruno needs a couple weeks to implement a system, get some players back. We do have some players coming back, so that is kind of exciting. And maybe if we can get those players back and his system in place – um, we'll start to see a little bit more results on the pitch, especially in this month of February. I, yes. I just, I feel like we need to, we need to see some legitimate improvement and that doesn't necessarily mean a win. 
it just means an improvement. We need to see some teeth in the attack from somebody who's not in Jirasi. We need to see some positive ball movement. We need to get some hope. And if we can get some of that, then we'll start believing. Maybe the whistles will start going away in the curve. But we're not getting that right now. We we look worst. We looked worse today than we did earlier in this season when I, when people were starting to say maybe we're going to fire Matarazzo. It was a crazy week where we looked really well undermanned against Leipzig. We didn't look great, but we persevered against Paderborn, and we looked like garbage mm -hmm. after the first 10 minutes today. Speaking of garbage, Matt, it's time for predictions. You ready for uh, to share your thoughts on the future? Ooh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm ready. I don't know if anybody else wants to hear it at this point, but for the four of you that are left, uh, yes. Here we go. Part five, the final part. Austin wasn't able to join us today for his predictions, which is sad because he's the Freiburg supporter. Matt, final time we're going to talk about the Proclaimers' big hit, I'm going to be from 1988. Did you know it was used predominantly in the sitcom How I Met Your Mother? What is your I, favorite sitcom? I did not know it was. I did not watch uh, How I Met Your Mother. Nor did I think I. my favorite sitcom um, is probably, it's an English one. It's called The IT Crowd. They only did five seasons of it, but it's about computer nerds like me. Oh. And... Um, Sort of similar vein to The Office. It's not the the faux documentary, but it's got that kind of sense of humor. And um, there's a lot of things that I see in that show that make me laugh, that are making me laugh because they're stuff I've seen in my professional life. I've got three. I've got, in reverse order, The Office in America, which my kids are watching now. So that's awesome. Because nice. for the most part, it's kid-friendly to a they don't understand the innuendos which is nice so i like that one in the 2000s i really like scrubs i don't know if you remember the the show scrubs I, I really enjoyed that one um and when i was a kid we didn't have tv we can only get tv based on the rabbit ears if anybody out there listening knows what i'm talking about because my parents were hippies and we lived out in the woods and the only channel we could get showed the jeffersons which is a 1970s sitcom about a black family that lived in uh, New York and their way to get around the city and go through different uh, cultural issues and all that stuff. And uh, my dad looked a lot like, you know, George Jefferson. So it, to me, is always been, you know, kind of heartfelt for me. So those are my my three favorite. Uh, there's Proclaimer songs were in none of those. That's too bad. Um, but I will say I had an interesting conversation with a uh, – person who I work with, who is an adult professional, but to me, they seem like a child. Um, <laughs> she said the other day that she's watched The Office through a couple of times, and she loved it because when she was a kid watching it live on TV with her parents, she saw some of the things and thought they were funny, but most of the jokes went over her head, and she just sort of didn't get it. And then watching it when she was in college, she started to get a lot more <clears throat> and found it interesting. And now that she's watching it through again, uh, as a quote-unquote professional adult, although I think she's only about three weeks out of college, um, <laughs> she says it's playing on a whole other level. So I think it's an interesting show that, that can do that and cross generations, and I'm excited to hear what your kids think of it. They like all the, uh, they like Kevin, the fat guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they like all the fart sounds, so that's, that's the level of humor <laughs> they're at right now. It checks out. Yeah. All right. So predictions. So the results over the weekend were somewhat mixed. You know, Schalke got a draw, Hertha lost, Bochum got the win, uh, Hoffenheim lost, Augsburg got a win. So we're where we're at on the table, like we mentioned. We are going to Freiburg. We've got 26 wins and 16 losses. We lost to them zero to one earlier this season on a early goal in the 11th minute when Dino hey, hey made a mistake with Vagnemont. Uh, the good news is they're right back and they're coach famous coach christian strike are both suspended due to double yellows from their blowout loss versus dortmund uh they started really strong they slipped to six but they do have 34 points and they're only one win two draws in their last five matches they play sandhausen in the pokal on tuesday which you think would bode well for us thoughts about that match 
I don't like our chances. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> it really oh. bums me out to say that, but I don't like our chances. Yeah, uh, we're on the road. I'm not even going to put you under the pressure. We're getting half a goal, so we're the, are the underdog going into this one. Um, who do you think is going to start? Um, I think we're going to have uh, Fritzel playing center attacking mid. Um, Gustav, the janitor, is going to be in at striker. Um, I, I Boy, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, Haraguchi, Endo, Ito, they'll be in there because they're the best guys we got right now. And yeah, anything maybe, beyond that. Maybe we'll see Borna back. Maybe uh, Dan Axel seems like he's getting closer to his return. Hopefully Anton on the right back. We'd love to see some more of that. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> it would be great to see um to see Sosa back. Just A to see him back because that that'd be great. <laughs> Um, but B, because he was one of the only people providing any positive ball movement um, in the second half after he came in. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm a big proponent at this point of giving the guys who haven't been playing playing time because the guys who are playing aren't getting results. Boy, well, you don't sound like a Bruno to, uh, to me because <laughs> that's not the way it rolls here. So, all right, what do you think the score prediction is going to be? 3-0. Uh, I'm not even going to let you finish that. So the listener can assume you're being positive. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you think of that? Oh, naive listener. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say 2-0. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, Matt. All right. We got about 20 seconds left because I can't afford Zoom in an actual account. Uh, Matt, last words real quick. I'm still holding out hope. Um, I'm not optimistic today, but I'm hoping by this Saturday, I'm going to feel better about life. You are the worst counselor I have ever <laughs> not paid for, <laughs> but I agree. Yeah. Things will get better for sure. All right, Matt. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, hopefully we'll talk to you next week. Boy, just hopefully we'll talk to you next week. How's that? Let's keep our fingers crossed. It looks better than we think it will. <laughs> All right, Matt. Thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Travis.